Hey, unfuckers, welcome into Show Notes. This is for the FCC Part 2 episode, but there's been a lot going on in the world in between. As some of you know, my New York Metropolitans fell to the Padres. I now hate Emma Stone. I don't want to hate Emma Stone. She's a wonderful actor. Seems like a lovely person. But she came all the way out to City Field to root for the Padres, and they kept they kept moving the camera to her. And so now I irrationally hate Emma Stone. I irrationally hate all of San Diego. I've been to San Diego. I like San Diego. I hate every player that plays for the Padres. If some of them come to the Mets, then I'll love them again. But 101 wins. Second highest in our history 101 wins through the regular season only to have to play for the wild card because the world championship braves whom i hate because of chipper jones you know chipper jones is such a dick he named his kid shay because he had such good luck hitting against the mets at shay so i hate the braves by proxy now i hate manny faces because he lives in atlanta bro i'm a yankee fan and literally rooted for the Mets in Braves Stadium. <sighs> now, none of these things are real. I don't really hate these things, but I hate them now because I have hate in my heart. I'm just so upset. I'm mostly upset with myself for being so irrationally tied to, I think it was Seinfeld who just said, we're basically rooting for laundry, right? That's, that's what baseball is. Sure. Right? I mean, that's it. I mean, the players change all the time. They have no loyalty to the city they come came up through. They, Their agents have taken over the game. It's all about money now. And the ownership, you know, our ownership has changed. They're doing a lot of the, the right, wonderful things. It's all just very irrational. And I'm very irrational about it. And I don't care that I'm irrational about it. I'm in deep mourning today because we're recording this on a Monday. So they just lost last night. And I'm in mourning. I'm in mourning. It is what it is. So I have a right not to be rational. Right? Right? But then, you know, people, you know, at at, at first pitch every year, somebody sends me that stupid clip from Family Guy. You ever see that clip? Probably not. So it's the opening of the Mets season. They're like, and there's the first pitch. Opening day, and here's the first pitch, and the season's over. (laughs) And so here we are again. That familiar feeling that I get every year. And like childbirth, I'll forget how painful this was. And then just be ready, come pitchers and catchers in the spring, to do it all over again. Have you personally birthed a child? No. Oh, okay. Interesting. Maybe find I like didn't a- say it was the same pain. I'm I just said curious it was how you know. Forgetting pain. Is it like, find a better, you know, find your male equation or equivalent rather. Why I, you're you're locking me out from being a birthing person? Yes, That's very exclusionary of you. It's not you're because just, I'm too old. Because you're trying to co-opt our uterus. I'm not. I'm not, and I'm irrational today. So you have no agency in this conversation, even though you two are a Mets fan. You cannot call me out on any bullshit today because I am full of bullshit. Sorry. Okay. Not sorry. I am not as emotionally invested as you because I'm a woman. We don't like sports. I'm just like looking at their cute butts. You love the Mets. I know you do. Yeah, but I... I... First person to send me something appropriate was you. Oh. Thank you. Well, because all your friends are Yankees fans. No, that's not true. All my Most of my friends are Mets fans. So what did they send you that wasn't appropriate? No, it's just, you know, fuck this shit and fucking, mm. fucking, fucking shit. And, and you know, and but you sent me the, the cry emoji and, you know, and, and that's, that's how I felt. I, I just felt despondent. Yeah. So that happened. On the flip side, though, always some good news on fuckers in the wild. So we got a great photo. I think we'll talk about it later from the captain and the piper who agreed to disagree while they were rocking. One of them was rocking a fuck Milton Friedman shirt. Maria from Puerto Rico traded her island for another island, visiting Bobby McDee in Ireland. And they uploaded pics of them rocking their own twin UNFTR shirts. We're getting out there on fuckers. It's happening. We're global. And the captain and the piper met one another where they were 
and agreed to disagree, but rock on. And that's a good thing. Don't forget, we're in the middle of our trifecta razor. We're getting the the numbers up there a little bit. We're getting more followers on Twitter. More members on the Unfuckers at All Facebook group. More followers on the Facebooks and the Instagram. We're getting more friends of the show writing in. We are getting more members. It's all happening. Slow, steady, just the way we do. So thank you for that, everybody. We really, really do appreciate that. Through my my despondent weekend, I was able to get some notifications of new members and people buying us coffee and great comments. Some shitty comments, too, which is always fun. And it just reminded me that, you know, there's a bigger picture out there, folks. There's a bigger world to unfuck. There'll be another season... And we'll continue to fight if we do all the right things in the goddamn off-season this fucking time. God, gee. Anyway. All right, let's get into it. We've got a newbie on fucker. This one from Ireland. Jason O. said, Hi, Bobby McDee turned me on to your wonderful podcast. I'm a musician in Ireland, and I've just listened to three solid hours on my way to a gig. I can't wait for the gig to be over so I can do another three hours on my way home. Keep up the great work and keep trying to unfuck the Republic. How cool is that? Bobby McDee spreading the word. Yeah. Maybe it's one of his students. <laughs> oh, could be. Yeah. He posted a picture of the sticker on his laptop and it looked like he sent it to me on Instagram. It looked like there was a child in the background. Okay. That's yeah. Fine. Unless That's Bobby has like little preteen feet. <laughs> could be. Well, he's got, I think he's got grown kids because they have teenagers. I don't think he has any little kids. But he's a teacher. Yeah, he's a teacher, so but I think he's got... Uh, I thought he was a high school teacher, though. Interesting. Okay, I mean, hmm. 14-year-old boy can still be young. That's true. They also... Who, they go to school all weird over there. Maybe they're just all little people. I haven't been to Ireland, have you? Are you saying they're leprechauns? I think that's racist. It's totally racist, mm. but that's just for Bobby. I don't like it. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to move on. That's fine, too. And decide if I'm going to cut that out or not. Okay. I probably won't, though. I hope Because you said it. That's right. So... You can live with your racism. And I've given myself a pass today. Sure. Um, so Dan said, I'm way left of my family, friends, and coworkers. You're a ray of sunshine and camaraderie in my life. It is, however, sometimes hard to explain as I'm listening through my earbuds why I'm shouting or laughing or have tears streaming down my face. I'd love to know what you're shouting at, Dan. <laughs> you being racist. <laughs> no. You're like, you can't say that. Well, while he's shouting, let's read Knutson. We have an email from our buddy, so Knudsen was the first, even though we had a few calls for it because we were teasing it for a while, like for like 18 months. But Knudsen was the first to suggest that we do an FCC episode. So he says, Unfucking the Republic was still swimming close to shore when I first suggested an FCC episode, even on the deep dives. Now, don't have a cow here, Max. No slight meant. Y'all just did a shorter show. True. As we unfuckers grew with you, the show length was able to find its legs. Taking longer strolls through an issue takes more prep time and recovery time. I'm amazed thinking about that. Max, you recently said that your writing superpower is that you're prolific. I think it may be your turnaround time. I think Manny and 99 may disagree with that. From an outside perspective, you drop a bomb in one area, turn around the next week and promote something worthy of praise, then nail jello to the wall with unassailable logic. I'm proud to call myself a fan of a gnome de plume. And I'm really happy with how my request was addressed. Communications is an unfucking topic. Now has a foundational understanding in the unfucking canon. I am one proud unfucker right now. Coast theorem was not something I was aware of at the root level, but was part of my education in media as a settled concept. Thank you for giving it the treatment it deserved, namely debunking by its creator-ish. Really, guys, thanks. By the way, at all, that's the Facebook group that Knudsen curates, is close to 600. Neat little thing, huh? Loving some more of the international interaction. I'm glad this has moved as relatively easy as it has. Yes. Again, a thanks to Knudsen for the topic. A thanks to him for curating that in that really remarkable Facebook group that has a lot of fun on there. He said, P.S. I'm curious how New Yorkers pronounce y'all. And I think it's pretty standard fare. Y'all. No drawl to it. No y'all. Yeah. Just y'all. Right? I agree. Okay. Just, just y'all. Just y'all. So thanks, Knudsen. And then we heard from Stephen Jay, who said, just finished the second FCC episode. Good work. Honestly, I think one of the reasons it's not taken as big of a deal as it could be is at least from a user standpoint of someone who uses the basics and doesn't go into many advanced other types of websites, you don't really feel a difference between the internet with and without net neutrality. 
I'm sure the difference is more noticeable depending on location and economic status. When it comes down to it, I didn't notice a difference with or without. That being said, I prefer net neutrality and I do 100% believe in this day and age when almost every job application is done via computer that the internet has to be treated as a utility. One of the things I would say is how many people still have landlines, especially in the millennial and Gen Z generations. I'm, I'm glad that Stephen wrote this in because I was thinking a lot about this as I was putting it together and then kind of ruminating about it afterward because there's a couple of things here that I think deserve to be reviewed again. One is the difference between net neutrality, again, as a concept and then as a statute under Title II. So net neutrality being offered and net neutrality basically meaning that there's no throttling, that everybody theoretically has equal access to it is a great principle. And that's what this all revolves around. The statute that I'm more in favor of, obviously, which is Title II, also builds in resiliency and ensures that the companies have to not only perform the services to build redundancy, resiliency, and to wire up the whole country so everybody has equal access, they also have to report on it. So that gets into the first part of Stephen's email, which is basically like, you know, I don't notice a difference when we had net neutrality, theoretically, uh, at the end of Obama's administration into Trump's administration when Ajit Pai took it away. And I think that that's a fair, I think there's a very fair case for that because a lot of us in wired up areas of the country, which is 97% of the country, probably aren't going to feel a difference. So a lot of this is theoretical. And I don't think that there's necessarily a, at least I could not find a test done by a third party that looks at the upstream and downstream connections and then compares it market to market to market, except for the very generalized ones that were able to look at the independent ones in the cities like Chattanooga, for example. Uh, Manny wrote in that also Newark has the same type of ISP infrastructure that's run by the city. So I know that they broadly looked at how fast and reliable the internet services in those municipal run ISPs versus the bigger telecom companies that are out there. And on balance, the ISPs that are run by municipalities do better. But we don't know it from an individual standpoint, like if you pay X, you're going to be throttled back a little bit. That's going to be very difficult because that's all private data. So we don't know what we don't know. But that's why the pandemic was so important to explore the differences and to really open that up to, so that we, we understood how disparate the access truly was. And it, it just comes back to the fundamental belief that is it a right or is it a privilege? I don't think we can consider it a privilege anymore. Is it as important as healthcare? No. But does it correlate to healthcare? Sure, I can make a case for that. Because if you don't have stable internet connection and you live in an area and you, that requires you to have great internet connection to do your job, maybe to connect with a, uh, somebody, a telehealth specialist or any, any other example that you might use the internet, even if it was just ordering supplies because you're in a remote area, whatever that is, the economy has shifted that way. The direction of the country has medicine, healthcare, all of these things are shifting towards the internet, which is making it less of a privilege and is almost demanding that it is a right. And so we can't, we know from so many other examples that we can't rely on private industry to do the right thing if they have a profit motive at their foundation. And that doesn't mean that you eliminate the profit motive altogether. It's never meant that. What it means is that you require them, just like the Bells, to provide service to everybody, to provide resiliency, to provide redundancy, and to make sure that we have backups in the events of things like hurricanes and and other sort of you know global weather events and terror events and hacking and all that kind of stuff, right? So that's what Title II protects. And it's one of those things where you, you don't miss it until it's gone, but this would help prevent it from ever going away. And it's just so vital in this day and age, and it would be ridiculous not to have it. So I'm glad Stephen Jay brought that up because that, I think, gets to the heart of it is, is you know, we, there are certain things that we take for granted, especially those of us that live in a privileged place to have this type of robust connectivity and those of us that work with the internet on a day in and day out basis, we don't really think of it necessarily. And it's also not going to be taken away from us because we're full payers. So we don't know what we don't know. Anyway, 
Thanks for that, Stephen J. I appreciate that. Inigo G wrote in, said, What scares me most about dismantling net neutrality is filtration. It would give states the wholesale ability to tell its ISPs that very specific networks are whitelisted and that very specific networks are blacklisted for users in the entire state. Inigo went on to give an example that said, you know, let's say in Florida, it shuts down the ability to listen to the next brilliant and rousing episode of UNFTR and instead says the only podcast they have access to is uh, hosted by Ben Shapiro, produced by Jordan uh, Peterson, and the sound is done by Kid Rock. So this cannot be allowed to happen. So extreme example of something that I guess is theoretically possible, but I don't know that it's specifically possible that a state that dismantling net neutrality would get into filtration where the states could then, I guess, create their own laws to mandate access or not access to something to actually shut down First Amendment, right? Because this is talking, this is more of a First Amendment issue Mm -hmm. where it's actually just, it's censoring some sort of speech. I suppose it's theoretically possible, but I can't imagine that it would stand up to any sort of court challenges. And then again, the difficulty would be in even discovering how they're going about doing that or how they were going to go about, you know, filtering certain information that comes across. Now, podcast is not a good example because it comes through mostly from a different way and you can get it through connectivity through your phone. But like hardwired internet and wireless, I, I, I don't know how that would I don't know how filtration would necessarily work. I mean, if we take like a micro example of a school having blockers on their Wi-Fi so, you you know, kids can't go on like Reddit or Mm -hmm. the aforementioned Pornhub. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure there could be some sort of if it was if it was the law that you as a resident of Florida can't go on Bernie Sanders website. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they could. All the providers would have to comply I don't think it's... Then we'd be China. I don't think it's completely impossible. I mean, if, like, they took a state's rights kind of approach. I mean, they could certainly try it, but I think the tech giants would beat the shit out of them. And I don't know. As that long that's the right as, avenue either. I as just, long as they don't... Like, as long as they're not fucking with them, I don't think they'll care. You know, like, Facebook's not going to give a shit if Florida says, we don't want any residents to be able to access any people running for Florida and the Democratic Party's website. Facebook doesn't care. They're trying to block Facebook. They only ever care. They're, you know, they're self-interested. They won't care. Google doesn't actually care about freedom of information. Right. They care about collecting your data, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, but I could see it happening in like like very small levels because, I mean, they can ban, they're banning, you know, they can ban books. <laughs> Is mm-hmm. it really like bananas that they could ban websites? Nope. Nope. It's not. So... It's not a good point. Hmm. All my points are good. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Have you concluded your thoughts? I have. Okay, just checking. Okay. So let's get over to, this is just some general emails. from This one's from Trevor T.A. So Trevor T.A. said, Hey folks, you name-checked Hazen Pingree a couple episodes ago. Last episode, three episodes ago, who the hell even knows with all these different series and such running concurrently? And mentioned him as a godfather of urban planting and growing. He was that, but he was also so much more. Check his Wikipedia entry and you'll see. Also, when Occupy Detroit was a thing, the park that was the tent city was the park that had the statue of Pingree right alongside it, which is also mentioned in his wiki. Hazen Pingree is probably one of the greatest civil servants the country has ever produced, and more people need to know about him and put the respect on his name that it deserves. I love that. Yeah. Great. What a fun little, you know, accidental discovery of this cool guy. Very cool. Maybe Very one cool. day when we celebrate good people instead of bad people, we'll do an episode on him. It's a great idea. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Hazen. Thanks, Trevor. I got checked here by something that 99 has tried to check me on, but she knows I keep fucking it up. This is in relation to the healthcare episodes. This is from H. I listen to your healthcare series. You're consistently confusing mortality and longevity. Mortality rates decreasing equals good. Longevity decreasing equals bad. Fact, mortality rates have been going up in the U.S. This is bad. Fact, longevity has been going down in the U.S. This is bad. Five, six, seven times. Max says mortality rates have been decreasing and implies this is bad. That is false. Less people dying would be good. He meant to say longevity has been decreasing and that accurately is bad. Please edit your archive podcasts. Otherwise, I noticed no significant errors. Well, H serving as our healthcare fact checker. I appreciate that. I have been 
fucking that up all along, and uh, 99 has done her level best to try and catch it when I do it. It, even as we were actually in studio, when I remember, in, it was in show notes. Was it in show notes? Yeah. So yeah. I was. I'm after that. I meant because I. Rem, but I said I remember thinking the whole time you were talking, like, is this is that right? Yeah. And I was like, he probably knows. He he wrote it, and then <laughs> that was a mistake, obviously. <laughs> but I meant to go check the Substack because that was going to be like my my proof to see if you actually wrote that and said that. And we can edit the Substack. I would like to either add something at the beginning <laughs> maybe like a little disclaimer like hey we we done a goof and we say this a bunch but we mean this so uh, i'm on h's team because as we've said you know our That'll episode be right. should be evergreen i mean unless you are glad more people are dying no i'm not you i didn't say you want people to die just old people to die that's people they're not people anymore old people are people no once you hit 72 nine, you're nine. not a person so you have three more years and nine, then you die nine. what Old people are people. Okay. Mm, prove it. You know a bunch of them. They don't stop being people. Come on. Sure. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well. Except for the Atlanta coaching staff and their ownership. Why is their ownership always so good? The Braves are just always good. Always good. But like the last 25 fucking years, it seems. It's just good. It's because the guy had uh, sticky stuff in his ear. Somebody said that it might have been uh, earwax, hot, the the icy hot stuff that keeps them focused because it stings so much. And I'm like, that's weird. I don't think I that's that performance too. enhancing using icy hot. It's not. It's Maybe not. if you like boofed icy hot. Who? Boof. Boof. Yeah. What's boof? Like when you like like boof. when you boof something, like when you put it in your butt. Is Do you remember? That, is that what boofing is? Yeah, when you, you put something with in your butt? The whole thing with Brett Kavanaugh where they were like, what does boofing mean? And he was like, it means farting, obviously. And everyone's like, it does not mean farting. What context was Kavanaugh using it in? Is that how in we his roofied fucking people? diaries or whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah. Boof. So. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to split up. JRV's got a couple of points here. It's a really, it's a really long email, but it's really, really well thought out. Why don't you take the first part of it that I highlighted, and then I'll jump in on the second part. Sure. So JRV is responding to Nathan S. sent in that review of the deficit myth. So JRV said, I went and read the critique of Stephanie Kelton's book by Robert P. Murphy of the Mises, 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 Misers, <laughs> Mises, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> the tone of the quote review to me is condescending. This guy is a link in the article to a YouTube video he did where he pretends to be a wrestler. What the fuck? <laughs> he comes off like some kind of bro, not a serious economist. 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 It's clearly meant to be humorous, but fails miserably. He has a lot to say about each chapter, but offers no data to bolster his opinions. It's a lot of free market Hayek and Friedman rhetoric that is lacking any substantive argument. And then he goes on to talk a little bit about how Murphy uses Venezuela as an example because Venezuela is a sovereign currency nation. It's not a great example to use because of so many external factors and the fact that so much of his, its debt is held in U.S. dollars, So, which JRB actually points out in, in his email as well. Uh, then he goes on to say, according to our most recent Nobel laureate, Paul Krugman, we're now in a period of depression economics where the standard rules don't apply. I actually, I think we shared, I think we shared Krugman's book, End This Depression Now, that he wrote in 2009 and covered kind of a lot of the same themes. And he was right back then that we should have been doubling down on the amount of money that we were pouring through the system. And that's the kind of the lesson that we had learned during the pandemic that the Trump administration, that Mnuchin picked up specifically, and then Biden carried the ball across the line in staving off total economic cataclysm. Of course, there are some things that are definitely coming back to work its way through the system, biting us in the ass. Anyway, uh, so Krugman has a very valid take on this, and it's a very consistent take from where he was pretty much his entire career. He also tires, just so you know, of people referring to MMT because he thinks it's he thinks it's just kind of a he's like, yeah, MMT, whatever. It's 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 one monetary policy aspect of Keynesianism, but it's reductive and he just sort of dismisses it. It doesn't mean that he's against it, but that's why I kind of wanted to bring this part of the email into it. So he says, according to our most recent Nobel laureate, Paul Krugman, we're now in a period of depression economics where the standard rules don't apply. In particular, the argument goes 
when there are idle resources lying around, the traditional economic problem of scarcity disappears. The government can prime the pump by throwing borrowed money around, and this can only boost total output because employed workers produce more than unemployed workers, end quote. He mentions Paul Krugman, who's also a critic of MMT, but I just gave you the reason why he is and really isn't. Krugman, who is a hard data guy, seems to throw numbers, charts, and graphs to the wind when it comes to critiquing MMT. However, Krugman is a Keynesian economist, which I would argue MMT more closely resembles than anything that Mises Institute proposes as economic theory. Anyway, this has gotten to be a long email. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on any of this in show notes. Keep up the great work. So I agree with you in your take because I, I went and spent more time with Murphy's article after the last show notes. And I agree with you that a lot of it is light and there is a lot of theory thrown in there. There's not a lot of charts and graphs and there's not a lot of historical examples. It's still good, I think, to be challenging MMT because what we're sitting at, and, and I agree with you also that Venezuela is totally a red herring for people that want to just discredit MMT entirely because she clearly states throughout her book and any of the other theorists that are proponents of MMT clearly state that you have to be a sovereign currency issuer, but you also have to have a whole bunch of other things going for you, like a robust legal system, great natural resources, a balance between imports and exports, the ability to manage your debt pretty handily as it, as it relates to a percentage of your total G GDP. There's a number of other factors that come into it that allow you to then, as a sovereign currency issuer, be stable enough to issue more currency, to flood the system with money, and to not lead to inflation. And the examples that she gives are very rare. So you're talking about Australia, you're talking about the United States, talk about Japan and Canada and probably Germany and the UK. The UK is a totally different scenario right now. We'll put that to the side because I'm sure at some point we'll be talking about the fucking disaster going on over there because they're experimenting pretty wildly with some bad theory. Anyway, so those countries have all of those other things going for them that allow them to also then send money coursing through the system. David McWilliams actually did a really good podcast recently about uh, what was going on between the UK, comparing it to what's happening in Ireland, and talking about the fantasy of money, how money is really is an artificial construct. It doesn't, it's, it's something that the underpinning of it, we all think that it has some sort of value and some sort of underpinning of it. The value, the underpinning of money is faith. It's trust. There's nothing below it, especially now that we're not in on a gold standard or even tied to a percentage of the gold standard. It's just trust. It's your faith that that currency isn't going to just explode or implode. Period. End of story. So to that extent, the question then becomes, what's your faith in the underlying institutions that support an economy that then is the, lead to being able to, you know, sanely distribute to basically manage a monetary policy? Great. So... What you have in the UK is that the underpinnings are falling apart because they have some sort of hangover from this Brexit mentality of what's right and what's wrong for their economy, but also their legal structure. Venezuela couldn't be further from it. And we're part of that equation. We've destabilized Venezuela through our sanctions and, and created the, the imbalance between imports and exports. And we've also been extremely punitive with their debt. So we're we're artificially causing issues with their underlying economy and they also have bad management and they didn't you know broaden their economy when they had the opportunity to when oil was at its highest and there was some fiscal management issues that they had there and none of that says that MMT is necessarily wrong or a bad thing it still is a little bit theoretical but I would actually align with Krugman in that yeah yeah MMT it's one sliver of monetary policy that applies to a select amount of countries. Krugman doesn't dismiss it. He just sort of treats it as a, as a given and thinks that it's reductive of the larger economic arguments that he makes, especially during times of a depression. I would say go back and read his, his book, uh, End This Depression Now, because a lot of the themes are exactly the same as they are right now. Anyway, great email. Always good insight from the unfuckers. Pretty amazing stuff. Let's get to something fun. Let's get to a little bit of hate mail from a pretty surprising place. Yeah, I know. Maybe maybe it's uh, he's throwing us off. So Jay O'Leary said, I'm from Canada and read that bullshit interview from 2021. 
presuming our Canada episode. I guess so, yeah. Did you just pick the biggest libtard from Canada besides Trudeau you could find? More bullshit propaganda. Fuck you and your one-sided piece of shit website. The climate has always been changing. They say they found bones, but still cannot show any evidence of it. Trudeau is destroying this country, and no, no one up here says a boot. Fuck, you guys are whacked in the head. Fucking pronouns and COVID, it's all a joke. You guys are not helping anyone with this bullshit. Fuck off. You know what? This is so well written. I know. So well reasoned and so backed up with logic and facts that it makes me want to stop doing the podcast it, because I think he's right. It makes a lot of sense that they would discover the bodies of, of murdered children and immediately send them to Jay O'Leary. And yeah. so I'm surprised they didn't. Yeah. So I kind of understand where he's coming from because... Why hasn't he received any bones? Right. He should have been first in inspecting them, right? Don't all Canadians get claim to them? Isn't that how their government works? Yeah. Who's the biggest libtard from Canada besides Trudeau who is not a libtard and that was actually the point of the episode? I don't know. Jesse from Canada? It one? might be Jesse. Okay. I'm assuming. All bullshit propaganda. Who else did we talk about? The climate's always been changing. Once again, Jay O'Leary has a point. If you go back over millions and millions of years... It has changed. Yeah. It's, Always been changing. It's almost like this has been a problem for a long time. That's right. Um, what else? Trudeau is destroying the country. That might be real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't recall defending Trudeau. In fact, I, I think I called him an Obama neoliberal. I think that there was some, not controversy, but I think you weren't hard enough on him about his, was it either, was he in brown face or was he wearing an outfit from another culture and then someone corrected us and was like no this is worse than just like a snap a costume snafu so maybe that came off as defense perhaps i mean perhaps yeah sure um, fucking pronouns and covid it's all well, a joke on. uh no one up here says a boot um they do except that they do yeah uh and i have i have canadian relatives that say a boot and that's just how they say it. You know what they say that's, that gets me every time? Maybe it's not a boot. Maybe he's, you know what? The, because this is such a refined email. Yeah. That he's maybe probably a he, linguist. He might be a, like Chomsky. He might be a linguist. Jay O'Leary, you're brilliant. Do you want to know what I was going to say, though? Yeah. What what they say that always gets me? What? Pasta. Oh, they say pasta. Instead yeah. of pasta. It's so weird. And, um... Garage key. Uh, what? What? A key to the garage. Oh. Yeah. Where'd you leave the garage key, eh? Yeah. Pasta's still weird to me. Mm -hmm. I remember in Degrassi, they would say like, "We're having pasta," and I was like, "Hello, <laughs> who are you? What is this?" Fuck you guys are whacked in the head. Okay. Oh. That's true. That that is self-proclaimed mentally true. ill. Yes. Uh, fucking prona. You know what's so nice is. Uh, you can't see the email on fuckers, but uh, Jay O'Leary doesn't actually spell out <laughs> yeah, they fuck. They censored it. He's It's self-censored, so he's got F asterisk asterisk K, right? So, um, but he says fuck a whole lot. Fuck you and your one-sided piece of shit site. Fuck you guys are whacked in the head. Fucking pronouns and COVID and fuck off. So pronouns and COVID is all a joke. So the million plus Americans that we lost to COVID is funny? Is that how I should take that? He thinks that's funny. Is that right? I think so. It's a so. joke, so he obviously thinks that's funny. Uh, and people's pronouns, also funny. So he's having a good old time with our podcast. Maybe this isn't a hate mail. Am I mistaken or is you a pronoun? You is a pronoun. So. He, she, they, you. Yeah. Right? Fucking pronouns. pronouns and COVID, it's all a joke. You guys are not you helping. Yeah. Guys. So us. guys is not a pronoun, but not, but you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So not helping anyone with this bullshit. Fuck off. Fuck oof. It would have been better if he wrote fuck off, eh? Yeah. Uh Jay O'Leary, really one of the smartest emails that we've probably ever gotten on this show. Do you really, think, really well done. Do you think Tim Hortons was at a Tim Holes that day? Tim Holes. Is that what they're called? I don't know. I think so. Donut but, Tim's Donut like Holes? Their munchkins are called Tim Holes. Oh, that's so Wait, cute. I'm not sure. Hey, Jay O'Leary, listen to another show and go try to do Tim better. Tim Bits. 
Tim Bits. That makes a lot more sense than Tim Hole because that sounds like Tim Horton's butthole. It does. But it, it's a lot funnier. Wait, so a donut should be called a Tim Hole. And the munchkin should be called a Tim Bit. Here are your holes and your bits. And you can boof them. You could boof the Well, boof, you could boof, boof Tim's the Tim, hole you, no, you with could, a bit. Yes. Right? You could boof your own hole with a bit. You could. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of bits. Yeah. Let's end this one. <laughs> Thank you. So over on the Twitters, Jen S is doing her thing, sharing videos and fighting the good fight as always. And she cleared up the Stifler's mama, Stifler's dad 420 debate. Stifler's dad is in fact her husband and they have a son together. And that son is a little Stifler. So they are mom and dad to that little Stifler. Which makes sense. Because yes, I was does. like, is she Stifler's dad's mom? But somehow <laughs> it did not cross my mind that perhaps they were both. You know, it's all pronouns and COVID and shit. It's all bullshit. <sighs> Fuck. You guys are whacked in the head. Am I reading this one? Yeah. Okay. Will Watkins fourth. Hold for it. I am lost, William. In regard to the idea of a 99 segment, that's me. It'd be interesting to hear her draw some real life, ground level perspective on whatever the main topic of the show is. Basically like a human interest segment. Again, only if you feel like it would work. Heart you. Heart you. Sure. I will uh, definitely do that. Um, I'm just, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't have any ground level perspective. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, I, I guess it could, it could take the shape of like, even just a through your lens why this really matters. If I'm getting too far into the weeds on something, it seems if. like. When I go too far into the weeds? I think that's better. Okay, thank you. So when I go too far into the weeds, maybe you could just sort of rein it in and be like, you know, 99 says, I got 99 problems with this episode. Like a little 99's corner, like a coffee break segment. Mm -hmm. But I I could also do it like, here's someone that was in this story that we don't talk about, and this is why they're great. So like, maybe if it was... You want to put something positive into it? No, like like a feminist hero or like... This person during the FCC times was like the first radio, first female radio broadcaster or something. Like, have a fun little I love that. informational I actually love that. Uh, yeah. Timbit. Because <laughs> <laughs> that seems like doable because it's just like a little bit of research for me. And I could do that fairly quickly because I'm not like, it's something that's related but not necessary to the narrative. It's just a fun thing to come away with. That's, yeah, that's neat. I like that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the fake congressman at Rep Jack Kimball tweeted, he's a fake congressman? Yeah, he like, he says he's in the California's 54th district. <laughs> and he like fooled a bunch of like Washington Post and like people who Come thought he was real. On. Not like, I, I don't know if it was necessarily the, like the Post itself, but like a reporter or journalist from there was like arguing with him about something. Because it's just, it's like pretty satirical. It's actually kind of hard to find. Like, I mean, I don't know how many number, like, districts, so it didn't immediately strike me as, like... Okay, that's awesome. Though. Yeah, like, that part, I was like, okay. And then I looked at his website, though, and I was like, there's just something off here, and I couldn't figure it. I mean, the website looks like shit, so but I was like, it, maybe it just does look like shit. And then I did some light digging, and I found out it was just, like, all, you know, he pretended to run for Congress, and... That's so much fun. Yeah. But I'm sure a lot of people just think, because his handle is Rep. Jack Kimball, that he's real. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. So, so the fake congressman at Rep Jack Kimball tweeted, "What Joe Biden did today with marijuana possession is going to lead to a massive expansion in the number of jam bands. Sounds harmless now until you've been subjected to a 23-minute bass solo." <laughs> and a bunch of people tag 99 in that, which is fun and awesome. Yes. I think the congressman, the fake congressman actually liked the likes of he the did. right. I, I, res- some sort of back and I forth responded on that. to one. The first person, I think it was uh, Scott, tagged me, and I like just cry laughed emoji at it. And then I saw that Rep Kimball liked it, and I was like, "Hey, dig it. What up, guy? Maybe what he'll up, be guy? on the show. What up, fake guy. Can we do a fake phone a friend? Oh, that's great. Phone a fake. Phone a fake. Uh, I saw something on the internet, so it's true. Okay. About uh, Tom Hanks did that. The thing you do, that movie. Yeah. The thing you do. That thing you do. And in you, the credits, the bass player is just named the bass player. Do. They actually don't name him throughout the entire thing, with the running joke being that nobody ever knows the bass player's name. There's so many great bass player memes out there. A really good friend of ours is a bass player, and it's just amazing how much shade he gets online for being a bass player. From 
of people sharing all these great memes. I don't think that's true that he doesn't have a name. Well, because there's Tom Everett Scott is the drummer, mm-hmm. and then Steve Zahn mm-hmm. is either a guitarist like or the bassist. Me too. He's fun. Then Ethan Embry. I'd like to be friends with Steve Zahn. I think he'd be your friend. Can we make that happen, on fuckers. Anyway, go on. Ethan Embry is the other guitarist or bassist, I guess. And then I don't know the lead guy's name, um, his real name. I think he has a name. They had, they had, might have no, been. No, like a- they give his real name, but in the credits, they roll everybody's name with the actor's name, and then they just call him uh, the BP player. Oh, you're right. Ethan BP. Embry doesn't have a name. His right. name is the bass player. Right. I guess they never say his name. That's pretty funny. Bass players. It's a great movie. It's honestly star studded cast. Fun. It's fun. It's a it's a good little movie. It's a tight little movie. It's great. Yeah. Young Squire, Young Squire. That's what the guy says to him. The guy who works at the hotel. I've seen it like a zillion times. It's one of my favorites. Really? Mm-hmm. So I was singing the song. Oh. The Oneaters. The Oneaters, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Like you always do. And we are happy, can't you see? Do you think they're sort of loosely based on the monkeys because Mike Nesmith Nesmith was such a dick for a while after the monkeys broke up and he's like, I'm a serious musician. And then he finally came around to be hip to the fact that like, it's just the monkeys guy. Relax. I think it was probably more the Beatles based on, I mean, I know they're American, but based on like the, the name, like the cute kitschy, like, ironic name, because they were, like, the Wonders, but mm-hmm. everyone called them the Oneaters, mm-hmm. and the Beatles was, like, they spelled it wrong, mm-hmm. maybe. Unless there was... I wonder if there's a American... Because they're, you know, they're a typical one-hit wonder. Who are the Oneaters based? <laughs> While you're looking that up, Brookie Gal said at UNFTR Pod, look what some Wisco fuckers did. They shared a photo of a billboard put up from the Minocqua Brewing Company, Wisconsin Brewery, with their own progressive super PAC. Oh, my God. It says January 6th was an attack on our country. These guys, Ron Johnson and Rep. Tom Tiffany, are lying to you. A brewery has its own fucking pack. God, jeez, there's so many cool people in the world. I think Alex had shared that brewery with us a while back. Probably. Yeah. And did you find the answer? It's potentially based on a real band from Erie, but mm-hmm. which is where they're from. But they're, is that Liv Tyler? Yes. Okay. She was She's Jimmy's Jimmy's girlfriend, but Jimmy's a dick. Right. And his girlfriend was, uh, I think, a young Charlize Theron. Really? Yeah, Tom no Everett Scott. Yeah. Wow. Then she runs away with her dentist. Oh. Charlize. She sucked anyway. She did? Yeah, she was like, didn't support him and, oh. you know. Not you're not you okay, you mean yeah. in the movie, her character. So Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought she did something wrong. <laughs> I mean she might have. I don't know. She's so badass. Pick a different she word. She has some crazy, like fucked up upbringing. Like an amazing history. Look it up. From not she's right from now, South Africa, right? She's from South she, Africa. Was she there for apartheid? <laughs> she uh, probably. Yeah. Is that what made her upbringing fucked up? No, there was uh in 1994, her mother bought her a one-way ticket to L.A. Look deeper. Mm. Yeah, her mom killed her dad. Oh. Yeah. That is certainly not what I thought. Mm-mm. Before or after she sent her to Hollywood. In self-defense. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Slay. There's a Lady Gaga quote. I have to find it real quick. My father was so drunk, he shouldn't have been able to walk when he came to the house with a gun. My mom and I were in the bedroom leaning against the door. He was trying to push through the door. He took a step back and shot through the door three times. None of the bullets hit us, which was a miracle. But in self-defense, she ended the threat. Amazing. Amazing. Harrowing. Yes. Lady Gaga once said, I don't believe in the glorification of murder. I do believe in the empowerment of women. So... I think that applies here. Okay. Do you think? Sure. It's like a fun everyone. It's like a like a fun Lady Gaga quote that people say. Okay. Yeah. Gaga. You say Gaga. Gaga for Gaga. Goo goo Gaga. Corey S. By the way, shared a GIF or a GIF. It's a GIF. It's a GIF. Are we gonna do this? I again? don't care what the man said. It's a GIF. I agree with you. Idiot. Kids hate it when I do that. I'm like, hey, did you see that GIF? Wait, Just they say GIF? Yeah, of course, because the man said it's GIF. 
Right. Ew. I know. I know. You should put them up for adoption. Uh, it's too late with one of them. I can get away with it with the other one, though. So Corey has shared a gif regarding the Mets game, and it's Bob Euchre saying, it's all we got, one goddamn hit. And that is all we got in the last game is one goddamn hit. I still can't fucking believe it. What's this from? That would be from probably Major League. Yeah, that's Bob Euchre wearing a plaid coat, so that's probably from Major League. I was just impressed that you just a bit outside. Hmm? I was just impressed that you like knew who this man was. Oh, I love Bob Euchre because I'm old. Bob Euchre's Hall of Fame induction speech is wonderful. Okay. Look it up. Cool. On Instagram, at 40Fee. Wow. Hmm. 40Fee. I mean, that's that's bad. At 504Bshot shared an account called at Diversify Your Narrative, which is, quote, 6,000 plus students fighting for racial justice through anti-racist curricula. That looks like a great resource for us to follow. So that's out there. He also sh- he shared it because today, as we're recording, it's Indigenous People's Day. He shared a post okay. about it and told me I could language shame you. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But I was like, in my head, I was like, mm, this one, Max, probably has me beat. Mm. And then I got corrected by John Kane early on. Oh, yeah. So never mind. Always stuff to learn. And Bobby McDee shared photos of him and the one and only Maria from Puerto Rico together in Ireland as we set up top. It's so cool. And uh, they were both, and one photo has the famous Alfie, that's Bobby McDee's dog, that has been spotted around Dublin wearing UNFTR merch. <laughs> uh, so they're holding him and, and, giving, and giving Alfie lots of love together. It's just, boy, that made me happy. That really put a smile on my face seeing them together. It's two of our favorite listeners together in Dublin. I mean, what is happening? I know. It's kind of weird. Like It's so fucking cool, right? Like, those are strangers, yeah. and now they're friends, and they're wearing our logo. Right? And Bobby McDee's an axe murderer, and people know this. Yeah, it's on his Wikipedia. Yeah. So I married an axe murderer is about him. That's right. From his wife's perspective. Look the size of that melon. Oh, my God. <laughs> Favorite quote from that movie. Uh, anyway, mm. why don't you get on to the music side of this? Sure. This photo's great, by yeah. the way. Our Celtic punk band in residence, <laughs> Hold Fast, shared a photo and said, No worries, UNFTR crew. Captain and Bagpiper McHaggis buried the axe and agreed to disagree before our last show. And the captain is wearing his UNFTR FMF shirt. So that's the captain, huh? Boy, if these two really got into a scrap and a scrum, I don't know who my money'd be on, right? The captain's got the width and he's got the tats and everything. And But Bagpiper, he's got some height on him too, right? You imagine these guys in the, uh, in the squared circle? What is, oh, like a ring? Yeah, interesting. Good stuff. Well, thanks, guys. I hope you had a good gig, by the way. And now on to some donations and memberships. We are so severely shy of our goal of 420, but I am undaunted because we are ticking it up there. We're at 275 members. Remember, our goal this year is to get to 420. It's probably not going to happen. And I'm just going to have to live with that disappointment like I have to live with the disappointment of the Mets. And I probably have to live with the disappointment of the Jets who are playing really good football right now. So they're just on on track to break my heart come playoff season as well. So I just I guess this is just going to be the year of having my heart broken, right? And that's fine. That's you fine. Mean, we pick ourselves up, we dust ourselves off and, and we just keep going, right? It's the yearly heartbreaking. Yeah. Of the Ets. Yeah. Like we can get to 420, but will the Mets ever get to the World Series again? Uh, I shouldn't say that. They were in the World Series 2015. I mean, they, they've been there. They've been, we've been there. We've been to the fucking dance. We just, we just, have, just have a little trouble closing the door here. Anyway. They're just a joke. The, it's so, I was. Don't say the word choke. But it's so just true. You know it's choke. true. I was telling, I was telling my roommate because I was watching the score at the second game. That's not a choke. It is a choke. That's not a choke. No, it is a choke. It's, it's not a choke. It's so the Mets to lose the first game and be like, fuck you guys. We're not out. Kill the second game and then fucking choke on the third game. That's so them. Like a choke. A choke is Beltron staring and taking the third strike and ending the series. He took the third strike. Fucking Beltron. And then we tried to make him the manager, even though he's a fucking great. Ugh. 
I should be the manager. Don't know what word you're going to say, but I'm glad you stopped yourself. We're going to say Judy Head. Something like that. Hike 1962. Or is it 1962? Hike, hike, hike! Is now a member. Love, love, love you guys. The deep dives sometimes make my brain explode. I came to you through Jay Best of the Left. That's our buddy. Have traveled to other pods and gained so much more knowledge. Now and then, Pitchfork Economics and Newsbeat, to name a few. I slowly pick away to book love. Thank you all. Keep up the good work. Thank you. And thank you for becoming a member. Hike 1962. Great to have you in the fold. And Harry Sleeper is now a member. Press on. We shall. Because of you, Harry Sleeper. And the Wild One is now a member. Said love your show. Started listening with the Kathy Hochul issue. Trying to bring on new unfuckers. If you do, Wild One, let them be known so we can call them out as a newbie fucker. Thanks for joining up with the membership. Snartin bought a coffee. Thanks for your work. I've learned a lot. Simon B. bought a coffee for Tom and the Peaky Unfucking Blinders. Okay. That's it? That's it. I thought you were going to, like, do more of an impression or something. The Peaky Fucking Blinders. Cool. Varun bought four coffees. Dig the show. Here's another coffee, and I'll be grabbing one of those annual memberships next month. Well, that's very kind of Varun. Yeah. And that's it. That's what all, we got. folks. dun 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 dun, dun. All right, so we'll see you this weekend when we reveal our master of the universe that we want to unfuck and, and bring to the forefront. It's somebody that's been spoken about quite a bit, but is nowhere close to being a household name given the amount of influence this person has. Uh, so I'm excited to dig into it and to... I know who it is. I'm not that excited. Can I, I guess? Yeah, sure. Okay. Wait. Yeah. Let's do like, guess who? Like, do they wear glasses? No. Okay. Do they have brown hair? No. Okay. Are they bald? No. Okay. Do the curtains match the drapes? Is it curtains or carpets? Wait, curtains and drapes are the same. (laughs) Do the curtains match the drapes? Yes. How do you know? Well, you'll find out. Ew. You asked. Okay. Well, I guess unfuckers keep guessing, (laughs) question mark. (laughs) See you this weekend, everybody.